good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone like me. Now, there's a lot I don't understand even though I believe. Now, it doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might be something that's just been on my mind for a while. And rather than getting into a deep theological Bible and verse discussion, a casual up uh, front porch style talk with my pastor is often the best way to understanding. And, well, that's what this program's all about. Today's guest is William Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org or call during the program at area code 314-8210850 in the St. Louis area or toll-free anywhere in North America at 800-730-2727. Welcome to the program, Pastor Swirla. Good to be back. Hey, you planning anything special for Thanksgiving? Well, we always do uh, a family thing with my brother. My brother lives up in Northern California, and so it's been the custom every year since since he had kids <laughs> yeah. to uh, to fly up there. We fly up there on Thanksgiving morning, and uh, pretty much uh, spend the, uh, the 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 extended weekend there until Saturday, and fly back home so I could be in church on Sunday. So we fly out first thing on Thursday morning, go up to San Jose. I always have my uh, celebratory Bloody Mary on the plane. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of the it, it's one of the rare exceptions of the you know no drinking before eleven o'clock or something. But I it, it's my Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. I'm having a Bloody Mary on the plane. Uh, well, as Jimmy Buffett says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> but uh, no, it's always good. And then like the day after, we always do something fun up in up in the the San Francisco Bay Area. There's all kinds of stuff to do, of course. Uh, the weather's nice, so we might do a hike. If it's uh, not so nice, we'll do museum crawl or some some kind of thing. So always always something good. Well, my dad always maintained that the best part of about Thanksgiving was the following day when you could have turkey sandwiches. He loved those things. Yeah, you know, I do. Too, I do too. I'm not a real turkey fan. Turkey's not, and and you know, you know me. I'm I'm a big foodie and, and that, but but turkey is not one of my go to um, go to proteins in general, but. Thanksgiving's the the kind of the sole exception. I kind of I go for that, and I, I actually like the creative leftovers, the tur- turkey enchiladas and the turkey tortilla soup and all of this. But um, the way it plays out, because my brother hosts it, I never get to see the leftovers, <laughs> and and so and we're always doing something else on Fridays. So we'll go out for sushi, go out for Chinese. Uh, lately, it's been tapas. We've been finding these great tapas bars and. Uh, hitting those and and uh, you know there's so much good food in in the San Francisco area that why limit yourself to turkey I say so uh, we, that's also been our tradition though is not turkey not leftovers so I never get to see them <laughs> the one exception and this is the other thing like the bloody mary um I'm I'm not normally not a pie eater I like pie but pie tends to lend toward the 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 waistline immediately but but uh um I love pumpkin pie once oh, a year yes. at Thanksgiving. My wife has the the best, absolutely the best pumpkin pie recipe. It's kind of an amalgam of America's Test Kitchen and somebody else and her own experience. But it's just really, really good. And I love pumpkin pie for breakfast on <laughs> Friday morning. 
<laughs> you and I are with, brothers, and yeah, our brothers under the skin. Yeah, co- complete with that dollop of somewhat flattened whipped cream from <laughs> left over from the day before, and a good strong cup of coffee. Man, that'll that that just that just makes you smile, right? That 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 is you know I don't recommend that every day, but the Friday after Thanksgiving. Absolutely. You're here. We're going to be having a Thanksgiving. Uh, my uh, wife has two grown sons who live in the area, and there's a tradition where all the families gather at her at uh, one of her sons' house. And what they do is they deep fry the chicken, the uh, chicken, the turkey, deep fry the turkey. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's that's kind of <laughs> that's got a number of issues with it. One that is just downright dangerous when when you know, when you got this big thing of near boiling oil, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you got this you have this serious waste disposal problem afterwards because there's a quite a volume of, of cooking oil after that so hopefully you know somebody who owns a restaurant they let you put it in their <laughs> grease bin well i hadn't really thought about that that's one reason why they do the cooking and i do the eating <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i like it i like actually my favorite turkey not a favorite protein but my favorite form of favorite way of cooking turkey is smoked Ooh, yeah and my brother my brother's smoking the whole bird this year so this is going to be really good and smoked turkey tends not to dry out because you know you're doing wet smoke low and slow uh, but the the flavor of smoked turkey. I first heard had this at uh, one of my wife's family's uh, Thanksgiving blowout uh, things. Her her family's huge. Uh, they're they're Mennonite family, a huge family, mm-hmm. and they do these these they they rent a VFW hall in town in Kansas, and oh, they man. Uh, yeah they'll get like 125 people out for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, so of course at that at at that volume. All the food's cold anyway, you know, and 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 dried out. And all. Yeah, it's it. But uh, one of her uncles smokes turkey, and I had that for the first time many years ago now, and it was like, where have you been all my life? That <laughs> wow. Well, one tradition uh, on the Allen side of the family used to have my uh, my dad always had Akavit. We, we used to drink Akavit both for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. It's the only right. time of the year we ever drank it, but I promised my wife this year I would pass. <laughs> <laughs> Danish napalm, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's ever ever clear for Danes. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we actually go through... Uh, we bring the wine, but we're creative about it. Since we fly, you know, you're kind of limited or either that or you just pack your suitcase with it. But, but, uh, but there's no need. It's the Bay area. So we just put it in order at a local wine shop and have my brother pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to handle it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I suppose we probably ought to move on to the program. Moving, pushing away from the table and move, getting back to work here. Uh, I know. Isn't it terrible? No, actually it's, it's fun. This, this really, I have to say of all the programs I'm associated, with this is my favorite because as the program says you know i got a lot of questions and you know this on the one hand it's the both the curse and the blessing of the lutheran layman the idea being that uh, i can believe but not understand and the fact that there are some mysteries and it's okay not to understand some things just to accept but sometimes things are hard to accept and what i'm going to do here is bring up the issue with that horrible, horrible church shooting in Texas that happened a week, a week ago Sunday. And uh, 25 people, adults, were murdered. An unborn baby was murdered. More than 20 people were shot. Some of them may still not survive. All of them have their lives changed. 
Oh, my my word. Evil. I can't think of another word for it. You know, people are saying that this guy was deranged and from everything you read about him. Yeah, he was. But, good Lord, this was evil. I've known people, some people are deranged, they're harmless. But this, oh, Mo, how do we, how do we look at that from a Christian point of view? What happened? Yeah, that, these these things, and and it's interesting that it happened in very close proximity to the Las Vegas shooting at the Country Western concert, right? And that was no less evil, um, no less tragic, no less abhorrent. In fact, in many ways, it was scarier. Here's why, for me at least, uh, the Texas shooting. Usually, within about uh, twenty four to forty eight hours. The, the news, the investigation, everything kind of settles into a narrative that pretty much accounts for why something happened. We really have a need to know why, because senseless acts of violence really bother us. And, and uh, so we really have the you know, motive and, and just some reasonable explanation as to what was going on there. Now, this was a case, really, I would say the Texas shooting uh, was a case of what I would call extended domestic violence. Okay, the, this this was a guy who had severe problems in relationship, really bad track record, uh, military, you know, it was already court-martialed by the military. Yeah, yeah, he uh, was court-martialed for... for uh, and uh, for domestic violence. Yeah, and, including and, fracturing his son's skull. Yes, so, you you know, so you've got some, you've got some things going on there. And, he, you know, why did he target a church? Not because the church was the church, or not because it was great, but because of his in-laws. He had an ongoing thing with his in-laws who happened not to be there that day. And, boy, I mean, how that must feel to them but but so so there were ties so in a way when we try to understand that that has a few handholds so you have somebody who is dealing with uncontrollable rage domestic violence um ongoing ongoing violent confrontations with ex-spouses their families blah 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 so so you know it there there are handholds to understanding that and i think understanding we have a need to understand um what i find more frightening about the the las vegas shooting is that we still don't have a good narrative for that one there isn't it was planned it was calculated it was it was just coldly executed Mm -hmm. and we we do not have an inkling as to why the guy did it you know and that was random he was just randomly shooting in a crowd of people you know Um, i I can understand if if not condone obviously you know the the concept of domestic violence okay this guy had a grudge he was crazy he was going to kill his in-laws and his ex-wife and all that but the people he shot were strangers the only connection they had was that his in-laws are members of that church, right? Uh, but but I think I think, and this is the kind of thing is, and I think one of the lessons here uh, is that domestic violence does not stay domesticated. I think we diminish that too much. Uh, and you know, I mean, I know police hate going on domestic violence oh, calls because yeah. that's 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 where that's where big problems start because this rage, this uncontrolled rage. Um, has no constructive outlet. There's, there's, in, and it, so it's just going to spill over right outside the door of the home and into the street. Uh, we, we had a, there was a, another incident uh, recently that was more or less the same thing. Um, so, it, but what I'm saying is, it doesn't mitigate the evil. It doesn't mitigate the tragedy, the grief, the loss. 
you know, it's it, whenever there's that kind of 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 uh, uh, sudden death and violent death and things like that, there's always going to be a whole constellation of responses to it. But we do have a need, I think, as human beings to understand as best we can. And and at least there's some handholds in the Texas thing. Now, the Texas incident has a layer that the Las Vegas incident doesn't. And that is the the church layer, the religious layer. You know, nobody nobody would say. I don't think anybody reasonably would say. Well, you know, the guy in Las Vegas had a thing against country western music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just too trite. It just it just doesn't fit. But you know, oh, you know, the first reaction was this was this was a hate crime against Christians. Well, it turns out not. Um, however, that is a that is a first. It's kind of our first reasonable explanation because we are explaining creatures. We, we, we really need to come up with a framework of understanding. And it happened in church. It happened while people were at worship. And even if religion wasn't a motive, I understand he was some kind of atheist type, but, but you know, he's not, he's not, that guy wasn't clicking reasonably anyway. So uh, I'm not going to attribute a lot to this. Um, however, uh, that it happened in church, that it happened during a service, creates a whole new set of questions. See, uh, you know, the, the, the quintessential where was God in all this? Yeah. And what I saw, and I think what you saw too, is there, there was a, a kind of a strange, um, I don't know, backlash, maybe not the word, but strange commentary from the unbelieving in society that used this as, aha, see, you know, God doesn't exist. If God existed, he surely would have protected his people while they're worshiping. Well, if see? nothing else, it proves that Satan exists. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't need faith to believe <laughs> in, in, in not only the depravity of man, but but the the existence of an evil one. Yeah, that's that that's that that is a fact. But well, maybe, see, you, you see what people do with that. See, it becomes opportunistic uh, for the unbelievers. Say, ah, see, you know. Um, God, God, where was God? You know, where was this God that you, you trust in? Blah, blah, blah. I want to get into that a little bit later, but, but right now I think I'd, I want to try to get my head around what is the nature of evil? We know that this act was evil. No ifs, ands, or buts. But what is the nature of evil itself? What does, what does the Bible tell us about evil? What does Jesus tell us about evil? See, th this is a fascinating question, and I think it's, it's kept the philosophers and theologians occupied for centuries. Th this is not a new question. Uh, even church fathers and the ancient philosophers were kicking this around. You know, and the question really here is, is there such a thing as evil in itself? That is, can things or people be evil? And the answer is no. Really? Uh, because, because all things are created by God, and God... By by sort of presuppositional presuppositional definition, cannot create does not create evil. God is good; what He makes is good. Um, and that's you know that's one of the take home lessons of Genesis one is the created order is good. Paul repeats that in First Timothy four. Everything is good uh, if it's, as it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. See, so so there is nothing evil in and of itself. The women's Christian temperance union was wrong when they spoke of demon rum. Rum is good. Uh, it's part of the created order. Drunkenness is an evil act. See, and, and so there are evil actions 
there are evil inclinations. The inclinations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Um, and evil makes its appearance in the created order as part of the se- the central feature of the garden. The tree of death is the tree of knowing good and evil. See, but that's not knowing good things and evil things. That's of discerning good and evil, which is God's prerogative. That's why that's in the center of the garden. So it's really hidden to us. The nature, the the nature of evil is hidden to us. That's that's in the mind of God alone. Uh, we see evil actions. We have evil inclinations or desires. Um, but even something like in a shooting, none of the material involved was evil, not guns, not bullets, not any of those things. Um, it was just all used for evil purposes with an evil intent. So chew on that for even the devil's not evil in and of himself. Oh, now explain. You've got to unpack that for me. <laughs> well, he's a creature of God. He's a fallen. But he's a fallen angel. creature. He rebelled against. Uh, that's right. That's right. And there, therein lies his evil, is that he turned against God. See, but he himself is a creature of God. I'm going to have to think about that one. Yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> now, see, because because an angel can't die, he's stuck. See, this is the this is the wonderment that in our dying and rising, we we can actually shake off this inclination of evil, the old Adam, our sinful nature. But poor angel, you know, you 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 blow it. There's no way back. Well. <laughs> We also know that for whatever God's reasoning is on this, that Satan has a role and a presence in this world, in the left-hand kingdom. And this, I think, is where we we see a rollout of the evil, uh, of things that just, they're just incontrovertible are, re, are evil, whether it's uh, practice of slavery, whether it's the Holocaust, or whether it's an incident like this, this had to have been the work of Satan. I, I can't see any other explanation for it. Well, we always have the unholy trinity via the catechism uh, of the devil. Certainly real, though devil's all the world should fill. You know, we sing that, but do we actually believe that anymore? Um, oh, I do. You get, you get incidences like this, and you begin to say, you know, and old Luther was right there. In Luther's day, they, there was a devil under every rock, and, and all these things would immediately be ascribed to the devil. Uh, we live in a, a sort of a post-Enlightenment skeptical age where we explain away evil as mental illness and, uh, you know, variety of other things. Oh, that's not to say that's not part of the mix. But anyway, the devil, the world, is a source of evil. That is the unbelieving world, the world set against God, and our own flesh, our sinful nature. So, you know, one of the, one of the things whenever one looks at, at great acts of evil, we need to remind ourselves that the same thing we decry in others is also at work in us. We just happen to have a set of circuit breakers that clamps down at the right time. So you might get mad at the dog or your kids, but you don't act on it. Some well, do. Oh no, I, it, the you know God is in, is in us. You know the Holy Spirit is in us, and uh, you know it's it's 
and we ask we ask that spirit to to guide us to to give us the the guidance to give us the judgment uh certainly i've i've experienced great anger in the past i think everybody has but you know i've never <laughs> gone out and, and 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 done something heinous like that that's that's just beyond the ken no and most of us don't you know uh it does take something a little bit more benign so you're working on a, a home improvement project and something goes really wrong and you're about to throw that hammer across the room and then something just stops you there's a rational thing that takes over and says you know if you throw that hammer it's going to go through the window and now your project's just gotten a lot bigger and more expensive so you just kind of like stop uh, I call those circuit breakers. I think we have moral circuit breakers, you know, the works of the law written in our hearts, even those who are unbelievers, even those who have not the word of God, do by nature the things contained in the law. And and so you got these circuit breakers that just stop you from acting on every evil inclination you might have. But clearly there are some whose circuit breakers aren't working very well, mm, if at defective all anymore. units. Yeah, and it's, it, the, I think the analogy holds. You know, if the circuit breaker is not popping in your house, the next thing that burns is the, your, your wiring and then the house. And so, you know, rage and anger need to have a check. In your anger, do not sin, the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. It says in your anger, do not sin. So at some point, the circuit breaker's got to trip and say, no, not going to act on that because that's going to go to a really bad place really fast. Well, but, we we talked about uh, just before the show. You and I talked about about psychopaths who have no conscience, who have no sense of remorse, and yet are perfectly capable of functioning within society. Now, this would be a case where I could, being a layman, remember, you know, my theology is weak because of that. I, I could see Satan reaching in there and and ripping out those. Those, those circuit breakers that you that you pointed out so that for whatever reason this is a defective unit now that has well, been... I, I think the breakers can be jammed a number of ways there are a number of pennies you can stick in that breaker to keep it from tripping one is drugs I think it's one of the great dangers of, of anything that alters your state of, of your ability to discern your ability to make judgments uh, yeah, I mean, it, just the simple thing of a few too many drinks and look at the stupid things that people do, you know. Um, and and these are already uh, causing those moral circuit breakers, the works of the law written in our hearts, to, to, to not trip so effectively. And so we do things we regret the next day. Um, habitual drug use, serious drug use, it just amplifies, it gets worse. Um, then you have people who have, uh, you know, they have... They have mental, you know, biological conditions that that also will do that, too. It's very complicated. And here's the bottom line. I don't think we can ever tweeze any of this stuff apart. You know, you, you can we can treat some of the stuff, but that doesn't deal with the whole thing. We're just we're just treating what we can. And that almost in and of itself is a frightening concept. But, you know, it this is. is, you know, we're human. You know, uh, we don't have the power. God has the power. And for whatever reason, he allows this to be on this earth. Now, there's, when we'll get into this after the break about the people who say, well, that shows that God isn't there or he's not a loving God or what have you. But uh, 
And let's make sure we get there, because I think that's a really key component when Christians talk about this. And I, and I think the fact that it happened in a church just amplifies it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we had, uh, well, for example, there was that uh, case of Dylan Roof, the, uh, the, the, the white nutter who went into that black church and then executed. Yes. Now, I'm not going to use the word execute. He murdered. Execute implies force of law. He just went up and killed nine worshipers solely because they were African-American. Yeah, but he, he, at least, he at least gave us the narrative. I mean, he told everybody why he did it. Yeah. And it's, it's plausible. Now, it's horrible uh, and downright evil, both in intent and action, but it's, it's comprehensible. It, it, was an, it was an act of racial hatred. And uh, so, okay, at least, see, that's a handhold. I think it's not, we can at least understand um, and uh, the, the Texas one's a little harder to understand. The Las Vegas one is nearly impossible to understand. Absolutely. I mean, Roof at least was, was motivated, we understand, by racial an, uh, animosity. Uh, the uh, Texas shooter, theoretically at least, he was angry at his, uh, his in-laws, and for some reason that bled over into the in-laws' church. This guy in, in Las Vegas... Who knows what motivated him, if anything? Uh, well, and and for clearly for over a year because he was he oh, was he yeah. was researching. He was he was comp- stockpiling arms. He was checking out venues. You know, I mean, he had um, in mind to do something like this. Yeah, apparently, he even did here's, a dry run. Here's my question: You know, <laughs> what's what's wrong with us men? Because all these incidences that you've described are all men. Well, yeah. When was, the, when was the last female mass shooter you've encountered? What's what's wrong with the guys here? Well, I mean, I have theories. Well, maybe that's something we can get into as well. Uh, but I, th- I think we got no. You know, I think that's a question that needs to be asked here, whether they're young men or older men. But but the, the, they seem to be all. Think of all the the school shootings. They're all they're all guys. They're young young guys. Yeah, you're right. Although yeah. the guy in Las, yeah, you're right. In, in the school shooting, although you know the Las Vegas guy, that wasn't a school shooting, but he certainly wasn't a young man. But not not to, not to say the girls can't be cruel, and they are. Uh-huh. Uh, not to say that they're not capable of great evil, and they uh-huh. they are. But but not not this way. And and what is it about this? I I think that's something that we need to take a pause. It, I think it's more that'd be a more fruitful discussion even than, you know, some clamoring for gun control laws, which would would probably have stopped none of these things. No. Well, let's take a break right now, and uh, we'll continue this discussion on the uh, as we come around again. There's a lot going on that we need to find out, a lot we need to talk about. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, 
and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m. every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. Think fast. In the short time it takes to listen to this message, a small flame can turn into a big fire. Several minutes more, and thick, poisonous smoke may have filled your lungs and reduced your ability to respond. Give it five, and your entire home may be filled with flames. Keep breathing. We've got you. Don't let your world go up in smoke. Have working smoke alarms and keep heaters three feet away from anything that can burn. Learn more at usfa.fema.gov, because fire is everyone's fight. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Marking an historic event, Museum of the Bible opened today in Washington, D.C., a museum dedicated to the Bible. The entire fourth floor of this eight-floor exhibit space is devoted entirely to the history of the Bible, including the Illuminations Global Bible, an exhibit celebrating the Bible's accessibility. It features Bibles in over 2,000 different languages. People from all over the world contributed hundreds of Bibles, representing many of the known translations of the Bible. On the Stories of the Bible floor, museum guests are completely immersed in the Bible story in a way never been done before. Artifacts and exhibits paired with technologically advanced features throughout the museum create a complete experience of biblical engagement, an engagement of the Bible's history, stories, and impact over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. And my guest pastor today is Bill Swirla, who's the pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church at Hacienda Heights, California. Not too far from my old stomping grounds. If you want to call in and you have some questions, since we are talking about evil... Uh, in St. Louis, the area code is there at 314-821-0850. Anywhere in North America, you can call us toll-free at 1-800-730-2727 or email us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Pastor Swirla, we had um, something happen in the aftermath of that shooting that, that really, really disturbed me. Uh Everyone from the president on down to people in the streets and local commentators were, <clears throat> were, were saying, let's pray for the victims of this. Let's pray for the people who are suffering. And suddenly there is this backlash against prayer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some comments here. Uh, one person said, that's one more example about how religion makes people stupid. Another one says... Uh, 
This is insane, and it's the reason so many people eschew any faith these days. More and more, Christianity is looked at as cruel, ugly, and violent. Garbage theology, says another one. I am not a sinner, says one. Sin is an imaginary disease used to sell people on an imaginary cure. And those are some of the more mild reactions to it from people who should know better. I don't understand this mentality. This is not simply people who are saying, I disagree with your faith. These are people demonstrating an active hatred toward Christianity, toward God. I can't understand that. Nothing to do with the the issue at hand um and you know christianity being cruel and hatred you know this wasn't a christian who shot up people in a church <laughs> these were christians who were shot so we're kind of like uh, i just i just hear that as irrational um and 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 I, and I think that that this the issue of religion has become a very polarized and emotional issue um, and, and my the the context in which I frame this whole thing is it's it's all post nine eleven. I think nine eleven historically is a game ch- a cultural game changer when it comes to religion. Okay, I, I need to uh, I need to have you explain that to me. Yeah, because and and you know if you want to kind of have it sort of spelled out in detail, read somebody like uh, the atheist Sam Harris. I, Sam Harris toots this this horn the most but the the it goes like this 9-11 was motivated by religion um never mind the brand is just motivated by religion and this shows you uh the irrationality of religion and and where the irrationality of religion finally goes so in other words religion fosters um illogical, unreasonable, irrational beliefs and therefore actions. And so you get 9-11. I think 9-11 emboldened people. I remember Bill Maher on his show um, right after 9-11, just going on his usual anti-religion diatribe. And it was probably the first time that he got, at least from a segment of the population, a favorable hearing. You see, what atheists have discovered is you can dis-religion and you can dis-Christianity and your head doesn't explode and your house doesn't start on fire. Nothing happens to you. And so I think people have felt much safer uh, saying things like this. And so then there's a certain amount of piling on. Everybody who doesn't like religion in general or Christianity in particular, for whatever their reasons, uh, just kind of dogpile on this. Um, so that's that's what I mean. I think 9-11... Uh, which had a strong religious component to it. It also has geopolitical components and other things, but it has a strong religious component because it's an Islamic act. Um, basically gave voice to the anti-religion crowd in general. And so we're living, that, we're living in the echoes of that today. And it's very fashionable. To, to just discredit religion in particular. Now, it's kind of interesting that, that it's, it was Islam that started it, but Christianity gets kind of slapped <laughs> just for being there, you know? and Because and, we and, turned the other cheek instead of issue a fatwa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't win. Not in, the, no. not in the public square. You just can't win. I think the calls for prayer... See, one, here's one of the problems. If you, if you tell an atheist, um, I'll pray for you, that's actually kind of an intellectual insult. 
Good. Uh, some don't mind. Actually, Richard Richard Dawkins, of all people, was defending this. You know, he basically said, you know, are you that intellectually lightweight that uh, that uh, this, a simple prayer offends you? It's like, you know, what is the what kind of atheist are you? You know, <laughs> which I kind of appreciated that. But, um, you know, the, the, you, prayer is an act of faith. You can't pray without faith. And so. Uh, prayer talk in the public square doesn't really get you very far because the unbeliever hears that as, you know, you talking to your invisible friend. It's nonsense. See, so um, that's an in-house thing. That's when, you know, let us pray is a sentence that belongs inside the liturgy, not out in the, in the public square. There's something that you want. Well, in, you were talking about how the uh, the first ath- atheist you were mentioning uh, saying, "Well, see, this is what religion does." Well, let's examine a philosophy, for example, communism, where atheism is one of its basic tenets, and it killed more people in the twentieth century than uh, than any other philosophy. Yeah, there, there is a certain yeah, that's true. There, there's a certain blind spot to communism in this this argument because. Um, it's an atheist argument. So then, then you realize that communism is in part um, the state become your religion. So the state becomes your god. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, so communism is a religion, an ideology in itself, and it's ca- capable of great evil. <laughs> and and as the twentieth century testifies. So yeah, but they're kind of blind to that. Communism gets a pass uh, for some. But you know, hey, who's consistent anyway, right? But well, communism has uh, been very very consistent. <laughs> so here's the problem. Here's the problem. You got a bunch of people in church, a sanctuary, a safe place. It's supposed to be where, where you know, you and God commune. It's where you're closest to God. They're worshiping. They're praying. They're hearing God's word. And some guy with a bone to pick and, and a gun uh, basically systematically shoots the better part of the congregation. Um, I think it's it's natural for the skeptic to say, well, where's your God? You know, the psalmist talk about that. You know, his enemies are mocking him. They're saying, where's, where's your God? You know, you call upon your God, where's your God? You know, and, and, and the psalmist complains about this state of affairs. And, and so the, the question is, well, where is God? And, you know, the Christian answer is right there in the middle of it, that, that he in his own flesh feels every bullet that he in his own flesh literally took the bullet for us. Uh, and he so identifies with our humanity in, in his son that, that he has you know, absorbed to himself all suffering and all evil and, and everything into himself. So he's quite present and he's quite there in the midst, and not just in church, I might say. No, he's uh, which, with us all time, uh, right? Yeah. And, and, which then, which then leads to the second question: Well, why didn't he do anything about it? And and you know, the answer is: Do you really want to live in a world where God capriciously suspends the laws of physics? I I don't, and you don't either. No, you know? and that's not his way. His not ways. His way is not to micromanage. His way is to, uh, like the weedy wheat field, leave it be, let evil have its way. That's fine. He's got it covered in the death and resurrection of Jesus. He reconciles all things and he works good in, with, and under even evil. Like Joseph, you meant it for evil and God has used it for good. And and maybe he did indeed move there. I'm thinking uh, 
or just happened to have been a neighbor down the street who just happened to have a rifle, who just happened to know what he had to do and just happened to be there at the right time and prevent yeah, and another guy willing to start up his pickup truck and go chasing after some deranged guy with a, with a gun. And yeah, you know, yeah the, there are certain things when you step back and look at the, you know, the, the wide angle view, there are certain things that happened. Right. But still there are many things that, that are very troubling. Yes. But, but you know, the laws of physics dictate that the bullets fly this way. And there's no invisible hand sticking out to make them go any other way. If there were, then you have the capricious world of no order. Uh, you have a disordered world that's that's run by a capricious God that does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he doesn't work that way. But that doesn't mean he's absent. And that's the real key. God's intervention, or non-intervention, as it were, and his presence are completely different things. Not only his presence, but his compassionate presence, his oh, empathetic yeah. presence, his, 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 his redeeming, saving, reconciling presence in the incarnation of his son. That's all in play. And I heard some, by the way, I heard some magnificent testimony from those, those dear people at that First Baptist congregation in in texas oh and that pastor in, in including particular the pastor, oh. his daughter was was and he, oh, was, he was gone he and his was. wife were gone i mean what heartache that man but but the oh. testimony that i heard from his lips was was beautiful and it, it was. and so you know for the sake of the audience would you repeat what he said i i can't well I, basically he said i don't understand why my daughter was killed but god understands mm. And, uh, boy, what, what an expression of faith. Yeah. And so, you know, God, God doesn't do it. God does not cause or motivate a guy to take a gun, go into church, and kill somebody. God doesn't push his finger on the trigger. God doesn't do that. Um, he did create the laws of physics that make all of it possible, but, but he doesn't do that. And yet what he does is he works inestimable eternal good out of all of it he reconciles all of it in christ in 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 the darkness and the death of his son mm. and that's 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 the way a christian lenses it the, the christian lenses this not looking for comforting explanations but looking for looking at it through the reconciling death of jesus yeah. and so at one and the same time you can say this is very bad this is very, very bad, and yet I will trust that God somehow will work good because he does. That's what he does. There was a story um, I once heard. Uh, there was a, a, a fundamentalist was uh, living in a house downstream of a dam, and the dam breaks, and a car drives by and stops and says, Get out of the car! I'll save you! And the guy goes, No, 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 God will save me, and he drives off. Well, the water starts rising, and the guy climbs up to the second story of his house, and a boat comes by. And the guy in the boat says, come on, get in the boat, I'll save you. No, no, I'll wait for God, he'll save me. And so the water gets even higher, and he climbs up to the roof. And a helicopter comes by, and the pilot shouts down, I'll throw you down a ladder and save you. And the guy goes, no, 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 God's going to save me. And, well, you know, the water got even higher, swept him away, and drowned him. He comes to heaven, comes before God, and says, Lord... I trusted you. Why didn't you save me? And God said to him, I sent you a car. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. 
So, <laughs> you know, I, I that's a <laughs> that guy wasn't Lutheran. <laughs> no, <laughs> because Lutherans understand that God always works through means, and those are the means by which He defends and protects us. All those those means that you uh, you described. That's an means. important point to raise no. about us being Lutherans. We understand this concept of means, how God works through that. Because a lot sure. of a lot of religions don't point that out. No, see, and and but and and whenever whenever you're getting into the the atheist or the unbelieving critique of religion, they're not going to be dialed into that nuance. So they think that all religious people have checked their brains at the door that all they do about anything that's bad is just pray about it, which is totally un... Uh, that, you know, that's never been the Christian way. You, you pray and work. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, look at the response to, uh, to the hurricanes. Lutherans are, are everywhere to, responding. And Christians and, and people in general. But, but you know, the, the Christian thing is not just sit back and pray. Uh, not to say that prayer isn't important, but it's not the only thing we do. Uh, it's just like when you're sick. Of course, you you pray for strength and healing and and patience and and all that. And then you go and you you get an appointment with your doctor <laughs> because there's there's your lifeboat, there's your motorboat, there's your means. You know that he answers that prayer. Like give us this day our daily bread. I've never seen a loaf of bread pop up on my table when I pray that. You know, <laughs> I bake bread and you know it's it, I enjoy it, but it's work. And so I still pray, give us this day our daily bread, and then I then I start kneading my dough. You know? <laughs> well, he gives you the talent and the knowledge and the materials to bake that bread. Exactly, and he gave me the farmer and the miller and the and the truck driver and good roads and good government and good weather and everything that that make the whole thing possible. So, you know, he's first cause. He's not the only cause, and and. Uh, and the same thing here. Um, these things are less a judgment on God as they are a judgment on us. Ah. And, and, and again, it comes to, to the men. You know, I read a good article in the aftermath of, I think it was the aftermath of Las Vegas, but it would pertain here too. And, and you know, I, I think there's something about modern society that is amplifying our uncontrolled rage. And... and um, I think the I think men in 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 American society have been estranged. I, I I think they have they they are just they're they're just cut loose. They 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 are in many ways they they're emotional cripples, and uh, many are lonely. They're isolated. They have no you know no group of trusted companions. Um, I I there's a there's some gal who could pass herself off as a guy. She had to, you know, that kind of look where you could, and she, she spent six months in the world of men, joined their bowling league, you know, hung out. And she emerged from that, and she's quite a staunch feminist, but she emerged from that with a tremendous sympathy for, for men. She How said, so? she, um, she said their, their, their emotional world is just stunted. And, and, and she felt sorry. And she felt she was angered at how her, sex how women treat men too she says you know there because because you know some men will want to yeah you know, ask ask out a, a woman or something like that and and the, the she said that she she was very critical of her own her own sex and how they how they treated men 
you know, and and the games they played and the, you know, the cruelty sometimes. And we're all capable of cruelty, but I think male and female have their own unique ways of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I really think that a, a healthy, dis- I would love to see a healthy discussion among men about what's going on here, what's going on with our, our part of the tribe, because, um, you know, there's a lot of unchecked aggression and it starts with domestic violence that this this is this is now th- there are occasional aspects of domestic violence uh, in the opposite way you know women abusing their men but, oh, yeah. but the vast majority are men abusing their women i and, suspect uh, it's a lot more common than is known Men are well, very reluctant to admit, yeah, I just got beaten up by my wife. Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's not very common. I, I'm, that, that's my opinion. I, m- most men I know just wouldn't put up with it. They just walk. I just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my wife clobbers me with an iron skillet. I'm out. That's, I'm done. That's, it's, it's, that's it. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I, we are different, and that's kind of part of the thing we were just not, still not comfortable with is that, that male and female are different ways of doing humanity. <laughs> male and female, he created them. You know, he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, but you know, th- these are all sort of side side roads to thing. You know, the other thing I think we have to be careful of, Kip, is is when a tragedy happens, is don't use it to billboard your religion, your faith, your whatever. I think it I think it diminishes the enormity of the tragedy. So, um, so you know, a bunch of people are killed, and the gun control people come out, or the you know the anti gun control people come out, or the the anti-religion people or the religious people or that and and i think all of that stuff i call it billboarding you've 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 tacked up a billboard on some significant human grief and suffering and and i you know i for one i I feel it cheapens the whole thing when you do that what about um well, you said about not billboarding or, or pushing up, but you know there, that was the criticism that came down when when people were saying, "Pray for the victims." Uh, were we billboarding our faith? Could be, could be. Um, yeah, you know, uh, let's 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 look at this. So you're you know, sitting at, at at Burger King, McDonald's, Chick Fil A, wherever you go, and uh, you know you're, you're engaging in this like twenty minute prayer at the table. <laughs> you know, where the only thing you're just waiting for the offering to come after that. You know, is is that <laughs> is that actual prayer? Or are you doing that to be seen by men? You know, um, I, I think another thing that amplifies this and makes it and, and it aggravates and exacerbates it is is social media. Okay. Because a lot of times that call pray for is put up by well-intentioned people on social media that's being read by a wider audience than they realize. And and of course the 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 responses on social media tend not to have those circuit breakers that are tripped when I see visible reactions. If I see that my words have hurt somebody face to face, I feel compassion, empathy, I, I stop saying what I'm saying because I feel bad about what I did, but I don't see that when I'm on Facebook or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's one of the dangers of uh, of that. I think it's the anonymity. Uh, people are not so reluctant to cause harm to other people if they don't have to look them in the eye or if right. they think they don't know what their name is. Yeah. Well, and you're, it's just a magnet. It's an order of magnitude, or it's a scale difference between that and anonymously shooting people from a thirty-fourth first floor window in a hotel. He doesn't know who they are either. He doesn't even he doesn't see the suffering? 
There is no, there, there's, I mean, he's shooting in a crowd. Mm. It's just a blob. It's a crowd. But then we have our church shooter who saw the suffering. He, and, yes, he did. And either yes, didn't care did. or reveled in it. And, and, but he was, he was one that actually inflicted suffering and it didn't bother him. He broke the skull of his infant son. <sighs> See? I mean, and, and j- that act alone, that, that's, that's, that's an enormous, you know, th- this is somebody who's utterly defenseless. It causes all of us to cringe. It doesn't cause him to cringe. You know, there's something fundamentally wrong with his circuitry. <laughs> and and it, so, you know, he's not going to feel, in fact, it seemed like he targeted the kids, they said. Oh, yeah. So apparently if a child was crying in terror, he'd go up and shoot the child. It was just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I I don't I don't know what goes into the mix with somebody like that. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of the fathers trickling down to the third and fourth generation of those who hate the Lord. You know, the, the things don't stop generationally either. And we're 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 forgetting that too. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not we're not isolated individuals. We have past. We have ancestors. We have context. Well, this is part of the thing. And, and that I, I really disagree with people who who, who uh, tend to downplay the importance of family and nurture, if you will, is we are largely products of our upbringing, including you know grandparents, great grandparents, parents, and without that structure, without that guidance, it, it shapes who and what we are, and without that, we're, we're like. Ships adrift. Yeah, in in ways that are very. I mean, I don't think we can fathom it. You know, if 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 you have been abandoned by a parent at very young, even maybe you didn't remember your parent, and and they walked out on the family or something like that. Mm-hmm. That leaves a trace. That affects all your relationships. That affects how you deal with your your fellow humanity. It, it affects how you see yourself. And and all of these things, um, you know, we're very complex creatures. We're spiritual creatures. We're emotional. We're we're physical. You know, we're made for community. It's not good for us to be alone. And and uh, and yet, you know, in our cities, we're more isolated than ever. You can be very alone in a crowd. And, oh yeah. And, and, in fact, you're and probably I, more alone in a crowd than you are by yourself. Sometimes. Sometimes, and yeah, I think people are less alone in small towns than they are in big cities. Oh, I agree with that completely. Even though, you know, people in big cities are surrounded by millions of people. You walk down the street, you're just packed in with humanity, but it's, it's, a, it's a lonely feeling, or can be. <laughs> and, and I think that factors into some of, some of our stuff, too. And, and so, um, what, what do we make of it? I don't think there's anything to be made of it. I, I think... <laughs> I think we pray, Lord, have mercy. What did Jesus say? You know, when he they, they raised this issue of Pilate and, and the massacre and the blood that he sprinkled with their offerings, and Jesus ups the ante. He says, well, what about the tower that collapsed and those people? Are they more, you know, wicked or more deserving, blah, blah, And his only word to all of that is repent. True. Is, is, is go and look at your own dark heart and see the same thing at work in you, too, and repent, you know? And, and I think... Maybe, maybe that's maybe maybe we'd get a better hearing if instead of saying you know let's let's all pray for the victims or something is if we say to one another we need to repent. 
I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, you've been listening to Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Today's guest pastor was our good friend Bill Swirla. And boy, what a what a wonderful discussion this has been. I want to give a special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory Lawn in Honor as a theme song for Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available at Amazon.com. A weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.